Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we're taking a look at the top offensive duos in the league. So I went through, I pulled everyone's O-LeBron, which is our total offensive impact, and I grabbed the two best players from the top teams, and I came up with a list 1 through 15 of the best offensive duos in the league. So we're calculating that by combined O-LeBron. So number one, actually, we'll go backwards. We'll go from, uh, I grabbed 15 of these. We don't need to do all 15. Maybe we'll do, you know, we're going to do three tiers of it, right? We'll do uh, 15 through 10, just like lightning round. We'll do nine through five, kind of talking a little bit more about it. And then we'll talk a little more in depth about the final five, the top offensive duo so again i have combined olebron which is what these are sorted by and then i also grabbed the team's offensive ranking just to like see if there's any correlation between the two so at 15 we have uh for washington porzingis and beal uh 14 we have Kawhi and paul george they haven't played very much together 13 we have Lori marketing and jordan clarkson which is sort of an unlikely duo i think before the beginning of the season no one would have guessed this would be on the list uh at 12 we have siakam and fred van fleet and then 11 garland and mitchell i think probably the biggest one there is I probably would have guessed Garland and Mitchell would have been a little bit higher on the list. I think Garland had a little bit of a slow start and missed some time. Obviously, Mitchell's been playing like a, a back-end MVP candidate, so the production has been there from his side. But, uh, yeah, that kind of just looks at 15 through 10 really quick. I think the things to, to kind of talk about first is, so Washington's offense isn't very good. They're 22nd in the league. They're 15th in their in their pairing here with Porzingis and Beal. Um, I, I, I don't think there's... A lot there, but just kind of wanted to point that out. Kawhi and Paul George haven't played very much. The Clippers are 24th in offensive rating. Again, that makes sense when your star players, you know, just really haven't been on the court a lot. After that, Laurie and Clarkson. Utah's the fourth best offense in the league this year. I know they started out really hot, and then they cooled down a little bit. But I think we've all seen, like, Laurie Markkinen is for real. He was a pretty good player the last two years, and he's really taken the jump to, you know, a high-end player, a possible I think he's an all-star this year. Who knows where the ceiling is? He's such a unique player. He's so tall, so talented. He can shoot um, both in off-ball and on-ball. I think I I remember my, one of the previous podcasts, he was, I believe, third in isolation points per possession. 
And then if you follow us on Twitter, which you should, at Basketball Index, uh, he is one of the best catch-and-shooters in terms of shot-making this year. So he's been doing it both on-ball and off-ball. Obviously, Jordan Clarkson's been in the league a while. He just has you know that instant offense, a lot of pop, a lot of shot creation for himself, and has just developed into a pretty solid player. But uh, yeah, the Jazz, they're, they're really overperforming, I would say, their talent. Where like, they do have a lot of offensive interesting offensive players on their team but for the fourth best offense i think that's coaching and i think that's everyone just kind of clicking together and playing well i know toronto's been disappointing they have the 10th best offense in the league this year it doesn't feel like it but that's actually not a bad number siakam has been really good i know fred's been had a little bit of a down year but he's been in the league not long enough he's been a good enough player not really much to worry about but those are kind of the back end duos that I would consider duos, you know, because like you start getting to the bottom of the league and you're like, well, I don't even know if this team has a duo. Um, but let's talk about uh, 10 through 6. So at 10, we have Giannis and Holiday. Uh, 9, we have Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. 8, we have Morant and Bain. And then 7, Julius Randle, uh, Brunson. And 6, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. So... These are the duos where we're getting to the more serious impact. Um, again, we did it by combining O-LeBron. So not everything's like always the same here. Like like Giannis's O-LeBron is obviously a lot higher than Drew Holiday's. And then maybe someone like Sabonis and Fox are probably closer. So the duos kind of work differently. Sometimes it's it's two kind of top guys. And then one time it's someone doing a ton of heavy lifting and someone like a adding additional like curry and clay is a good example of that like curry really big impact clay still pretty good um but yeah let's talk about Giannis and holiday obviously Giannis, fantastic player one of the best players in the league i know drew holidays had to do more heavy lifting with chris middleton out and just overall the bucks offense hasn't been very good this year it's 23rd in the league and i think that's been a talking point people have definitely mentioned that i know Giannis's efficiency is down a little bit this year same with drew holiday but drew holiday's up the playmaking a little bit in the absence of uh of middleton so it's been a little tough i think milwaukee it's tough because they have such a defensive uh slanted roster normally every team that we talk about on this podcast it's like well if they could just add more defense the the bucks that is not the issue they don't need any more you know role player defenders they don't need any more all defense guys they got enough of that they actually need to add a little bit of offense if they can but uh Giannis and holiday always a solid tandem surprisingly are they are they surprisingly to be this low on the list at 10 I don't know, because, like, the duos ahead of them are pretty good. Like, let's move to the Fox and Sabonis duo at 9, again, and combined O-LeBron. They've been really great this year. Sabonis has always been a good player, but a lot of those Pacer teams weren't great. And then he goes over, obviously, in the Halliburton trade last year, and he's playing with De'Aaron Fox, who had a down year last year, but has been a pretty solid player in the league. He's taking a jump. He's playing on an all-star level. Sabonis is playing fantastic as well. Sabonis, a really talented passer, and then just being surrounded by that many offensive players. Also, the coaching has been good in Sacramento. you got to tip your cap there. But Sabonis has just unlocked a lot of things in that offense, I think, being such a good you know, passing hub, everything kind of flowing through him and Fox scoring in isolation, Fox scoring, you know, clutch buckets at the end of games. They've been a really nice duo. And I think this is another one. If I would have said Sabonis and Fox at nine as the, you know, combined O'Lebron for the season of, of offensive duos in the league, that would have surprised a lot of people. So I think it's just been a success story this year in Sacramento. Things seem to be going very well there. I know they had a tough loss the other night, but whatever, it's one game. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Morant and Bain. This is very interesting. They are eighth in our offensive duo rankings. 
Morant has taken it to a level as a playmaker that I feel like we don't see a lot in the kind of slasher type player that he is, where those players can get to the rim at will, but they're not always the greatest passers, and they're also not great shooters, which can sometimes kind of cap that archetype's overall impact. Jaw has taken a step as a playmaker this year. His playmaking grade has has gone up. It's it's really in like rarefied air now. And now I'm I'm really starting to believe in what they got going on in Memphis. I've always liked all of their talent, but it's one of those things where it's like, well, how's it all going to come together? Morant has been just insane this year getting to the rim and the, the playmaking bump. Desmond Bain, especially early in the year, came out super hot, missed some time with injury. He's back now. Now they have everything together and it's all about just, you know, continuing to roll. They're a defensive-oriented team, but their offense, like, really isn't that bad And in an offensive ranking standpoint. Like, they're 11th in the league. It's not terrible. I know they get a tremendous amount of offensive rebounds, and they don't have a ton of shooting, but Bain is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. So if you are going to be light on shooters, having one of the best shooters in the league as one of your main guys does help alleviate that problem a little bit. But uh, let's move on to the Knicks at 7. Brunson and Randall, another surprise that, you know, preseason probably wouldn't have picked this. We talked about on the previous broadcast Julius Randall winning the most improved player for the second time in three years. So two years ago, really great year. I think he made an all-NBA team last year, big down season. And then this year he's back to being what we weren't sure if he was, if that makes sense. Brunson comes over in the offseason, and he gets more to do because he was playing with Luka before, didn't have as big of an offensive load always really liked him and he has come over and been outstanding he i think provided something that the knicks needed in a ball handler that can initiate things can score and just put a lot of pressure on the defense so it just seems like things are going well in new york they're playing pretty good basketball right now they have the fifth best offense in the league by offensive rating which i definitely did not know i know they have a collection of pretty solid talent over there like i think i've talked about this they have like seven or eight like legit nba players which sounds silly but there's not a lot of teams that can go that deep and then you also have some pretty high-end play in brunson and randall this year where the knicks are starting to look a little dangerous and they're definitely fun uh and then lastly at six uh curry and clay they've been on every offensive rating or efficiency or scoring <laughs> what however you want to measure it they've been very very good i know curry missed a little bit of time with an injury he's back now clay so there's a new version of clay right like he's obviously not who he was prior to the injury but he's still a pretty good player and i think everyone's starting to come around on that because last year it was just like, well, I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what to expect out of him. I just hope that he can honestly like play. That would just, that would just be a victory in itself. He came back and he was pretty good. He's not the clay of old, but he's still a pretty good player. He offers some pretty good shot making, especially from three, and he has some isolation game to him and just has overall offensive value. It's not what it was, but it's still pretty darn good. Uh, let's talk about the top five teams in the league by duo. Again, we're looking at just offensive LeBron, O-LeBron combined in these two players, and we're starting to like see some significant jumps, right? So like the last two on this list, we started at 15, like Washington and the Clippers. They're down a little bit, and then there's kind of a step up, and there was most of the teams we named. And then Curry at six with Clay, another step up. 
And then the rest of this is all kind of in the same kind of elite tier. And then number one has some distance in between them, but you'll, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. So at five, we have Kyrie and KD, Brooklyn. Uh, their offensive rating for the season is ninth. So Brooklyn, it's a little bit of a different story, right? Obviously, they fire their coach uh, pretty early in the season, and then things have really been rolling since then. And a lot of their year-long metrics don't really like exactly describe what the team is today and we see that a lot of the time in seasons where there'll be a couple teams i mean every team changes from the beginning of the year to the end of the year but there's a couple teams that like through a midway point because of a trade or a coaching change or something of that or an injury like a team will really change a lot and i think we've seen brooklyn change quite a bit since their coaching change things are going a lot better Kyrie and Katie are playing at a very high level. Uh, obviously, Katie just went down with an injury, which is unfortunate. But they were really rolling there. And those two, the way their rosters built is kind of a kind of a strange rot. Like they have Claxton, who's playing at a really high level, which is great. But other than that, they don't really have much in the big department. But then they also have like Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant, where they have a lot of versatility. And then they have an insane amount of three-point shooters on their bench. It's like, I, I know some of them have missed some time, but, like, you have Patty Mills, you have Seth Curry, you have Joe Harris. There's another, uh, Yuta Watambe, I think. I might be saying the name wrong. Sorry if I am. But he's been fantastic from three, where they just have an absurd amount of three-point shooting talent on their bench that really plays off the gravity of Kyrie and KD, and that is something that has led to the ninth overall offensive rating. But I think... When Katie gets back, like we could see a, a version of this team that's even better on offense, which is exciting, and they could be pretty dangerous. Uh, after that, we have Tatum and Brown at four. Again, in total, uh, or combo of offensive LeBron of the two players. Tatum, obviously having a fantastic year, is in the MVP conversation. And then Jalen Brown has, for, mm, I don't know, if, well, I, I was going to make some big statements there. I don't know if I'm going to make a, that big of a statement. I don't know if I'm ready for that. But Jalen Brown's playing really well this year. I've talked about his mid-range game on quite a few podcasts over the last few weeks, and he is just a really, really strong scorer. He's good at driving. He has the mid-range game. The three ball has been down, but it seems like the Celtics, like from just far away, seems like their team has kind of gone into a little bit of a, a three-point shooting slump because it was one of those things where they had so many guys shooting like 45% at the beginning of the year. Like the law of averages sort of have to you know, come back down to earth there. But Tatum and Brown, um, very good. I feel like, you know, they've been talked about the last couple of years as one of the better tandems in the league. And they are definitely doing uh, a lot of heavy lifting on their offense. Boston has the second best offensive rating in the league. And then obviously Tatum and Brown are key uh, keys in those cogs. But again, they also have a lot of good role players around them. Just a really good, good uh, situation. I feel like sometimes we try to, nitpick too much with teams at the top because obviously we want to talk about them but i think it's one of the things where their two stars are playing very well and also their role players are playing quite well and then that ends up with you just having a really strong team uh after that we have lebron and ad at three if you would have told me let's say so the lakers won the championship in 2020 right that was lebron's second year that was when ad came and then they rolled into the next season with a similar team. I think they traded for Dennis Schroeder, and then they got rid of Danny Green. But the team was, for the most part, like fairly similar. And if you would have told me at that, like at that point, I was like, all right, there's like one-ish, maybe, 
maybe two years left of, of like really, really high on LeBron because like he is aging. He is going to have to decline at some point. I would have said probably one more year after that championship or like maybe they could get back to back. Obviously, they have a bunch of injuries that season. It doesn't happen. But that LeBron and AD are third in the league halfway through the 2022-23 season in terms of total offensive impact. And I know that, you know, AD's missed some time. That is mind-blowing. That's crazy. If I had a time machine and I went back and told my younger self that like two years ago, there's no way. I wouldn't have believed it. Unless you let maybe you can have cyborg parts installed into your body, then I'd be like, well, okay, that that's a that's a crazy change in the collective bargaining agreement, but I could then see it. That LeBron and AD are still playing at that level is mind-blowing. Uh, the offensive rating for the Lakers, not that great, 18th in the league, below average. But like we said, LeBron missed some time, or sorry, AD has missed some time, and maybe LeBron, I think, has missed like a game here or there. Not Nothing like super significant. But... The Lakers just breaks my heart as a Laker fan that the top two guys are playing that well and the rest of the roster is just like is bad. <laughs> but we'll move on. Uh, number two, Embiid and Harden. I feel like, you know, there's been some mistime there with that team not being 100% healthy. Just seems like there's always somebody out or somebody resting or something going on. But they are one of these teams that they're not a front runner in the league, right? Like no one's expecting the Sixers to be in the finals, but they very much could be, right? And if everything bounces their way, they stay healthy, it is possible. Like no one's going to look back and be like, I can't believe the Sixers made the finals, right? They have plenty of talent. Um, they have a lot of defense on that roster to go with and beat Harden, which is good because uh, Harden is actually, his D LeBron's not bad this year, but obviously, you know, he's an older player that, that leans uh, offensively, Embiid's just a two-way monster. You can put whatever you want around him; it doesn't matter. But those two guys have provided uh, a tremendous amount of impact this year. Uh, Philly eighth in the league in offensive rating, so things are looking good. And I'm interested to see. You know, Maxi missed a bunch of time, but those two guys, Azure one and two, like I talk about this all the time of where players slot into win a championship. And looking at the top five. Uh, here in combo O LeBron of these duos, right? Embiid and Harden, that, that could win a championship. Embiid's your best player. Harden's your second best player. Absolutely. LeBron and AD, we've seen it before. We could see it again. Tatum and Brown, last year they made it to the finals. Tatum absolutely is your number one. I think people weren't sure about Brown as your number two, but he has played, he played well in the finals in my opinion, and he has a track record of being a good player, and he has taken a step this year offensively. So that is starting to check out. That's starting to make sense. Because the problem with Boston last year was not their defense. Their defense was fantastic. But they needed a little bit more on offense. I know Tatum had a tough finals, but it seems like he, and you got to be impressed by this, right? On the biggest stage, you have a really tough series. You're a young player, it happens. But he's come back, and he's playing at a higher level, which is really encouraging if you're Boston. And then lastly, uh, fifth, Kyrie and KD. KD is your best player. Kyrie is your second winning a championship. That makes a lot of sense on paper. So these top five uh, duos in O'Lebron, these are the heavy hitters where I think we're going to talk playoffs pretty soon here, maybe do some playoff predictions with Krishna. But these are the duos I look at where this is where the playoff picture starts for me. I'm looking at who are your top guys, and then you build out from there. Because without this, it's just not going to happen. And then, you know, you look beyond it where you're like, okay, so now who's your third best player? And then who are your role players? What's your defense looking like? Yada, yada, yada. 
And then our number one in combo O-LeBron, our best duo this season. On the Denver Nuggets, we got Joker and we got Jamal Murray. Uh, Obviously, Joker has just been otherworldly this year. He's gunning for his third straight MVP, possibly. And then Murray coming off the injury, you know, has started slow. Things aren't fully kicked into gear, but he is starting to play pretty well. Like, the scoring is there. And again, you're still ramping up to the playoffs. Like, this team knows that it's not really about the regular season. It's about the playoffs. But things are looking good. Like, Joker is what you need. He just needs to sustain this, head into the playoffs. And then Jamal Murray has, you know, there's. it's been an uneven path, I would say, on this season. But things are looking pretty good. The team is looking good. And Murray, I think there was something, he has an A+. I was just looking at his stats in uh, pick and roll ball handler points per possession, which is very good. He's been good in transition. He's been really good on spot ups. So everything is looking pretty good there. I know the isolation game needs to come probably a few more steps this year. But Joker and Murray, I think, are a really interesting pairing. And Joker is your number one, absolutely set it in stone. And then Murray is your number two, which has been the question that I think we all want answered, where I'll be honest, I don't know. I do not know. I'm interested that playoffs, was it the run? So the playoff run in 2020 was really impressive, and they made it to the Western Conference Finals. He played well. And ever since then, it's been like, okay, these guys are for real. You know, they were the young team coming up. Then, you know, they have Michael Porter Jr. They trade for Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's playing at an extremely high level. And it's not always as simple as, like, you know, your first best player, your second best player, your third best player. There's there's caveats in there. Like, I feel like Milwaukee's a really good example of this, of Giannis. And then not only having Holiday and Middleton, where Holiday and Middleton are, like, are similar in terms of, like, maybe overall value in my mind. I think I prefer uh, Holiday a little bit more. But either one of those guys is your second best player, and you're like, uh, what's the rest of the team looking like? But when you package those two together, and it's 2-3, and you're like, oh, wow. you Maybe you'd say, as the second best player, it's just okay, but your third best player is excellent compared to other players' third best teams. So it's not always just about the 1-2. It's the thing I like to look at the most. But then, you know, you add other factors in. And also, we've seen Jamal Murray just go absolutely ballistic in the playoffs, where it got to the point where I thought about just throwing out the idea of shot selection and what is a good shot (laughs) because he was hitting, he was just hitting everything. He was hitting like threes, but only threes, like threes on the moves, threes like fading sideways. He was hitting pull-up jumpers. He was hitting like 360 layups around players where it was like, well, forget all the analysis before or what I thought. If you're doing this, nothing else really matters. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, the top O-LeBron combinations in the league. I'll run through the top ones again really quick. So number one, we had Joker and Murray on Denver. Two, Embiid and Harden. At three, LeBron and AD still holding on somehow to that level of play at LeBron's age. is crazy. Uh, four, Tatum and Brown. And then five, Kyrie and KD. So I say those top five are really strong top five. And then the sixth one, Curry and Clay are kind of all on that top level. After that, there is a little bit of a drop-off. But, you know, Steph Curry, Steph Curry. And then Clay Thompson, he's still got a little magic in him. Don't count him out. But, uh, yeah, this was just kind of a fun look. This is a, one of the ways I look at basketball. So I thought it'd be fun to do a podcast on it of, you know, the top duos in the league in terms of offensive impact. Well, that's going to do it for this one. My name is Taylor, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.